day sun I met someone out on the west coast I gotta get back, I can't let this go Saturday sun I met someone, don't care what it costs No ray of sunlight's ever lost Hey everybody, it is time once again, for the Everybody Trades Podcast, and this is a special Saturday show with your sensei of the stock market, me. Yes, that's right. You're spending your Saturday morning with me before you watch college football, hopefully. Hopefully Missouri will beat the crap out of Wyoming, right? Isn't it who we're playing tomorrow? Wyoming? Oh no, I may have just totally exposed myself. Is not paying as close of attention as I should be. Oh no. Did I just look past the opponent? Does it matter if fans look past the opponent? Oh. Oh no. I've totally exposed myself as a psychological mess here in the first minute already. Let's move on, shall we? And you know what? Let's start with a personal story that I had with a recent with a friend I had recently at a bar in beautiful downtown Columbia, where Believe it or not, it's not a constant shooting gallery, despite what you hear on the news. This person told me that his broker got him into a penny stock that he felt really, really good about at the time. Now, my friend here I was having this conversation with did not authorize this trade, at least not verbally. Maybe in writing he authorized him to do literally whatever he wants with his positions, with his money. I'm not sure about that. What I do know is this person did not go to them and say, hey, buy me a penny stock. So what's the number one lesson here? First of all, do not buy penny stocks ever. In my career, I've never seen a good reason to ever buy a stock that is trading for less than a dollar and generally not less than two dollars. Certainly, when a stock trades under that level, it's there for a reason. Now, to be clear, as I've pointed out many times, you can't just say, hey, Amazon is $2,000 per share, therefore that makes it an expensive stock, a more expensive stock than, say, Apple, which is $200. You see, both companies famously just passed the $1 trillion market cap level. So what does that tell you? They're about the same size company, but Apple trades about one-tenth the per share price that Apple does. Or, I'm sorry, that Amazon does. All that means is that's just a matter of how you divide up the pie, how you snap the pencil in half, whatever you want to call it. The thing about the pencil is when you snap a pencil in half, you don't have more pencil, you just now have two pencils. Just like you can slice a large pizza into four slices, six slices, 20 slices, You still have the same amount of pizza. Having said all that, psychologically, companies know that when their price gets extremely low, institutional investors on a per share price basis like penny stocks, institutional investors are are aware that that is a red flag. However, certain suckers might think, oh, well, it's a penny stock. How much can I possibly lose? Well, everything is the answer. Everything you put into it is how much you, lo- you can lose. That's the answer. It's not that you can literally lose pennies and make dollars, although you could, 
in a theoretical world, obviously that stock could go back to five bucks and you'd be a, a gigantic genius. The reality is when stocks are 10 cents, 15 cents, and a five cent move, for instance, can cost you 30% of your on paper value in one session, you're not going to be brave enough to hang in there on that stock. It's just a terrible idea. And if you have a broker that is putting you in penny stocks, and particularly without your blessing and just jumping that shit on you, excuse my language, you need to fire that person immediately. Fire them, period. That's Just move on. This is not, you don't, even if this person is your friend, you have to say, listen, we can still be friends, but this is my money. This is my wealth. And. I just don't want to jeopardize our friendship by mixing these two things. At least that would be my excuse. Okay, strap in, everybody. I have yet another football analogy. You're like, what? The Everybody Trades podcast? Yes, I know, another football analogy. I'm sorry, just hold in for a second. This is going to make a lot of sense. This will tell you a lot about my process and how I value things. Now, you see... If I have two really good companies, if I'm interested in in a certain sector, and then there are two companies I'm deciding from in that sector, say an Apple and a Microsoft, just to take two examples. Maybe not the best example, but just the first one that happened to pop into my head. You could also take, in my opinion, speaking of two excellent brands, you could take Alabama football and Georgia football. See, that national championship game this past January is one of the damnedest things I've ever seen. That game, I've still been thinking about it for months, even though people have seemed to have, will nowadays move on from something in a week. I, I have been thinking about what a great football game and how much I have enjoyed that every once in a while for a long time. And having said that, part of the reason it's just because both teams exhibited just unbelievable coaching, tackling, hard-nosed, football along with the tremendous athleticism that you come to expect from the types of recruits that those two programs put on the field and to now get to my point what I'm saying is if you look at the betting odds for both of these great teams you see it took for those of you don't know it took a last second like third and 25 throw by Alabama's previously the backup quarterback at the very last second, the last possible drive for Alabama to win the national championship. Long story short, it was a great game. So you would think that Georgia, having most of its roster coming back, you would think, hey, and Alabama having most of its roster back, you would think, hey, these two teams are on pretty even ground, right? Well, when it comes to winning the SEC championship, Alabama is actually even odds. Whereas Georgia is three to one odds. In other words, if I put $100 on Alabama, I win $100 if they indeed win the SEC championship. Whereas I put, if it's Georgia, if I, my same $100 bet will yield $300. Now, if my theory is correct, which again, I'm, I'm projecting forward here, so I might not be correct. But as of today, this is how I'm valuing both teams. So obviously, if I'm, if I'm valuing these two teams fairly equally, I should take Georgia instead of Alabama. Now, if you flipped it, and it was Alabama who had the 3-1, to one, and Georgia were even odds, 
then I would take Alabama. And you might say, wait a minute, you just said Georgia was the one who was going to win. And now you're flip-flopping to Alabama. No, what I'm saying is, is I'm going to take the value where I can find it. You see, I don't have to fall in love with a bet or a team in this particular circumstance. I don't have to be married to a value like I'm married to my Missouri Tigers. Listen, I'm, I'm never going to get rid of the Missouri Tigers, ever, no matter what. But that doesn't mean I have to bet on them every week just because I love them. That would be foolish. That's just called stabbing yourself in the stomach. Now, we could go further into the season, and of course, circumstances will change. The odds for the SEC championship will change, and perhaps my opinion will change. And just like in the stock market, the same thing happens. Every day is a new day, and you are allowed to change your mind. But it's also smart not to change your mind on a whim or to panic for no reason. I'd also point out that traditionally in the last few years, the SEC East, which Georgia resides in, is much easier to get through than the West. Alabama did not even get through the West last year after they lost to Auburn. Auburn's expected to be a really good team again. So again, I just think Georgia's odds much more, much better, much better value there on Georgia than Alabama. And frankly, I don't think it's even close. Moving backwards a couple weeks for a second here. I just wanted to address something that at first is going to be seemingly a little bit unrelated, but I'm going to tie it together. The shooting in Jacksonville at the Madden video game tournament. I've been thinking about these shootings a lot lately. Of course, not a lot. I shouldn't say that. That makes me sound like a crazy person. No, I've actually been thinking about football more than shootings, frankly, but I digress. The point I'm trying to make here is there's a connection I made. I was listening to Mark Titus on a podcast with Bill Simmons. You see, Mark Titus is now a pretty famous blogger and podcaster in the college basketball world. Titus used to play for Ohio State back in the day, about 10 years ago, I believe. Played with Greg Oden and Mike Conley and was famously a walk-on that uh, hardly ever played and hardly ever scored and... Hence his blog called Club Trillion, where he would get one minute and then a bunch of zeros after his after the one minute in the box score. Hence, Club Trillion. Now, to somebody like me, who played some high school basketball and did okay on a really good team in, in high school, it sounds like a dream to me to be a college basketball player and your home state and being able to walk on. That sounds really cool. But of course, we're all human beings and life isn't always easy. And this little quote here by Mr. Titus actually gave me a thought that actually brought a couple things together. And I'll explain it right after I play it right now. Thinking back on my experience, that time in my life, there was a 0% chance I was ever going to reach out to anybody and say like, hey, I'm mentally weak. You know, because that's how I viewed it. It was like, hey, I'm mentally weak. I can't handle this. And then I, I would just view like that makes me a lesser athlete. It makes me a lesser man. And at that point in your life, you're trying to become a man and you're trying to show the world that I'm a man. I've, I'm fully grown and this is who I am. Now, to me, what's interesting there is Titus is talking about a, a specific time, whether you're a college basketball player or not. I think every young man in his late teens, early 20s in particular, can relate to being in that phase of life where 
everyone sort of expects you to be a man. For instance, society traditionally has expected us to go off and fight wars at that age. But those of us who don't go to college and just sort of live a more normal, boring lifestyle, for lack of a better term, we have other ways of turning into men. And this can be a very difficult, confusing, and stressful time, just like it is for all young people, regardless of what your your gender is. But what we've seen time and time again is that these shooters are often young men of this age, these random shooters in public places. They're often men of this late teen, early, mid-20s variety. And it seems that I, I've often heard my mother often worked in college. And she said, and lots of people have confirmed this, lot, I'm not just listening to her, but lots of people I've heard, when mental illness comes along, particularly in men, it starts really creeping in about that age, around 20 years old, especially that college age is when if there is a, a schizophrenia, an, an obsessive compulsiveness, whatever it might be, severe depression, anything, that's when it tends to happen. So to me, for all the talk of gun debates on whatever side of that, whatever your opinion on guns and gun control, gun safety, actual gun protection and use happens to be in a defensive way, Whatever your hat, whatever, however you might feel on that, to me, we need much more discussion on the actual mental stability and, and how, how people's brains actually work, particularly young men. Because again, young men all of a sudden are imbued with a drug, essentially. They're essentially injected with a drug when they go through puberty called testosterone. And it makes them suddenly much, much, much stronger than they've ever been at a very quick quick rate. It also makes them much more interested in women than they've ever had to be. And as we've seen with males and all types of nature, this can rear its ugly head in terms of territorialness, violence, dominance, aggression, etc., etc. But of course, most young men aren't this way. In many societies, most young men are quite harmless. Sure, they might get drunk and be a little rowdy every once in a while, but they aren't out committing serious acts of violence and crime as young men are in other places. I'm certainly no psychiatrist, psychologist, anything like that. It just seems to me that we as a society need to be spending a lot more time thinking about and talking about young men and their mental health and what happens when they become isolated and become cut off from the rest of society and become unempathetic. We need to learn the signs of that and we need to help these people so it doesn't become not only a tragedy for them, but obviously those around those of us around them too. We don't want to be injected into a society with a bunch of people who would do us harm, obviously. We can all agree with that. But instead of blaming the object that the person uses, whether it's a gun or a knife or a car or an airplane or a baseball bat or any number of projectiles you can think of that could be weaponized in your own house or kitchen, instead of blaming those inanimate objects, let's try to help people heal mentally.
And to close it out here, I actually just want to talk a little baseball for a second. So if you're only here for the economics, you can turn it off now. I will give you my permission. But if you like sports, stick around. Because I have a take here. I'm absolutely stunned at in a world in which we beat every sports story into the ground, seemingly. I think Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim is actually one of the most underrated stories I've ever seen. I mean, when you compare the amount of ink that Jeremy Lin got seven, eight years ago during his hot streak, two, three-week hot streak or whatever, playing for the Knicks, there's absolutely no comparison to what Otani did or is doing, I should say, and what Jeremy Lin did. Listen, Jeremy Lin, God bless him. He's had a great NBA career, made a bunch of money, fine and dandy. I just think it's really bizarre that because he happens to be a guy of Asian, Eastern Asian descent that happened to be one of the few that's ever played in the NBA, that was really, for some reason, that was a huge deal. I guess part of it was because the New York media just eats up anything that is the Knicks, but, you know, I understand that Japanese baseball players has sort of become passe, I guess. But my God, Shohei Otani isn't from Japan. This guy's from another dimension. I mean, he's getting Tommy John surgery. And the day after he hits four hits with two just enormous home runs. I mean, the guy is, he's not from this world. I don't believe it. He's even stealing bases. What is going on here? This guy could be a top 20 type hitter next year. Even if they decide to play him that way, you're telling me he couldn't be a left fielder or right fielder, maybe even a first baseman or something. I'm not so sure that he needs to pitch, at least be a starter anyway. Frankly, if he has arm problems and being a starter takes him out of being an everyday, every day when he's not pitching player, I'd rather see him get five, 600 plate appearances, and then come out of the bullpen every once in a while, maybe every second or third day, and pitch the eighth inning, max effort, and save him. Save those bullets, if you will. Why not? But again, this guy is Babe Ruth 2.0. I, it's, it's absolutely incredible. The people who made that comparison, I remember in preseason, I thought, well, this will be really exciting to see a guy finally try to hit and pitch at the same time. But what he's doing right now at this age is utterly incomprehensible, and I can't believe more people aren't just doing, just slapping themselves on the forehead on air every day. It just seems like, well, he's out there in Orange County and blah, blah, blah. Nobody really cares. It isn't that exciting of a team, even though Mike Trout is out there. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of flummoxed. How do I explain this? What's the deal? So clearly, Mr. Otani has won my heart anyway, but hopefully, more importantly, I've won you over right here on the Everybody Trades Podcast. Enjoy college football, everybody. <laughs>